thank you to this week's sponsor of TNG Coaching. TNG Coaching's vision is to teach values through activity and experience, to guide creativity, instill confidence, champion self-worth, and celebrate identity. This journey begins by reflecting on our own performance, by collecting our thoughts and feelings on paper. Both positive and negative, we begin to discern ways to respond to challenges. Opening a personal dialogue and sharing concerns has been proven to create deeper bonds with peers. Journaling how these relationships evolve can help assign roles and build the support structure every team needs to function effectively. When complete, your journal will stand as a lasting reminder of your commitment to your cause and your ambition for personal and professional growth. You can find the Coach's Journal on Amazon through the link or go to png.coach for more information. Welcome to Recess Duty, a podcast for educators to come together to share struggles, but also celebrate successes by sharing stories and ideas in a safe and supportive environment to collaborate with one another. Here's your host, Levi Allison. Hey everyone, this is Recess Duty with your host, Levi Allison. And today we're talking with Edu Leader and supporter of Agency and Voice, Tanya Mansfield. We'll be discussing their journey and experience in education. Thank you so much for joining us, Tanya. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's just a wonderful opportunity to get to connect. Absolutely. I'm so excited because we've been friends on Twitter for a rather long time and back and forth on PYP chat. So it's very exciting to finally get to chat one-on-one. You know, I've done a couple of your like workshops popping in and helping your music teachers. And it's been so nice to finally see you. So Tanya, for our listeners out there, share a little bit about yourself and who is Tanya Mansfield? Thanks. So at the moment, currently, I am PYP coordinator at KIS International School in Bangkok. I joined our learning community here in July. Um, And previous to that, I was at Ishmik in Ho Chi Minh City. I've been a PYP educator for 20 plus years, um, mostly through the Asia Pacific region and PYP coordinator for about 14 of those and a variety of other roles as well. And also have the honor and privilege of also being an IBAN, so an IB educator running and facilitating workshops for the IB and also school visits. Um, It's great too. Um, So that's just a little bit about me as an educator. As a person, I am originally from New Zealand, but was raised in Hong Kong. I did all my primary and secondary school in Hong Kong and um, have worked uh, throughout the Asia Pacific region. So Hong Kong, China, um, Vietnam, and now Thailand. So yes. How exciting. What a, a journey that you've been on in education as a student, as a third culture kid and now living the expat life in Bangkok in various regions. Yeah, yeah, very privileged. Um, and it is wonderful to connect across across Southeast Asia, especially with our, our IB Asia Pacific um, network is very dynamic. And yes, we have connections throughout our little region here. Yes. <laughs> yes, agreed. We absolutely do. Tanya, tell us a little bit about what you're excited about at the moment. Or do you have any projects that you're excited about you want to share? Uh, sure. Thank you. And thanks for asking this question. You know, as uh, the PYP is emerging and ever-changing, um, there's a number of um, balls in the air that we're working on. Um, but reflecting myself as a professional, um, I think the thing that I'm most excited about here is now our commitment to others 
and in part our educators. And so building capacity in our teachers and in our middle leaders and really modeling those sorts of structures and systems so that, that we can also start applying that to our student leadership um, and think and our younger learners as well. Wow. And Tanya, for those of us who are so well-known or well-versed in IB, what does building capacity mean to you? So I think building capacity um, goes hand in hand with agency and this idea of um, agency and that as leaders, it is our responsibility to be developing our next wave of, of leaders as they come through. Um, everybody has strengths and we need to, as school communities, um, to be using those strengths because that collective efficacy, we are, we are stronger together and using those strengths there. And at the same time, very much about of our program being reflective. Um, and so we all have areas to develop or and professional learning goals, things there too. So um, we need to be, it all goes back to relationships. You know, we need to really be getting to know our educators and our middle leaders first, finding out who they are as people, where they are in their journey, um, what their professional goals are for themselves um, and us supporting them too but also finding out where in our communities are our experts um, and, um, and uh, using those strengths to support, to support others in their growth. So I think as a, as a leader and certainly in my own research and my own professional goal was to help others to um, build capacity was to first, yeah, take time to get to know people, really get time to be spending time in their classrooms um, and having those conversations um, with our educators there. Also acknowledging that as leaders, um, it is not possible that we are experts in everything. So also using the strengths, as I've said, um, in our community too. So for example, I've got a parent workshop um, in a couple of weeks um, talking about transdisciplinarity, which is quite a big concept for our parents to understand. Now, as PYP coordinator, I'm going to start the conversation and talk about the philosophy, and this is why we believe this is a program, but have invited our teachers to um, come into that workshop and present case studies or how that has happened within their classrooms, um, which, again, supports our parents' understanding that gives our teachers a voice, gives them a chance to celebrate the learning that's happened in their grade levels. And for those educators that are interested in either applying for IBIN or presenting at, you know, teacher conferences or other things too, it sort of gives them a little um, opportunity for a little practice, mm-hmm. practice run. Um, I think a lot goes back to John Spencer's work. You know, um, when we talk about agency in our children, what are we doing for our children that they could be doing for themselves? And it, it's the same thing with our educators. You know, we have we have that in intellect in our communities here, and are we using that? Are we tapping into that um, and and bringing people together to learn from each other? Um, with my middle leaders here, we meet once a week, just for half an hour to talk about our teams and our next steps and our planning. Um, but the, the purpose of those meetings as well is to also work out which part of the meeting our team leaders can start facilitating. And my goal is that actually as PYP coordinator, I step right back. Um, I'm present, but I'm not facilitating. This is not my team. And so building that confidence and the competence and that structure um, up so that our team leaders can actually 
lead their teams, you know, they're the people on the ground and know their mm-hmm. people that do. So um, those sorts of opportunities are always popping up. Um, we, at the beginning of the year, we're obviously, we are fully remote until this week. Um, so we haven't had very many opportunities for our grade levels to vertically connect. Um, so we thought, okay, we had a PD day, so how can we do this? And also that reflection on through our remote teaching and learning, are we still honoring our beliefs in inquiry and constructivism? Um, so we sort of sat down with our middle leaders and very much including their voice um, and ideas in the, the planning of this was, well, every grade level has something to share. Every grade level has something they're really good at. So how can we um, connect others with them? So what we designed together collaboratively was a what we called the nano sessions. So it was just 20 minute sharing sessions. So for example, um, grade one um, had done a lot of work on Kelso's choice. So how were they introducing Kelso's choice through a remote learning platform um, and working with children there? And then teachers that were interested in could go and learn from the grade one team. Um, Grade four had had great success with using Padlet. And um, that was new to uh, some of our younger grades. So again, it was just a chance for grade four to lead the learning, to celebrate and share what they've been doing but also for our teachers to be learning from each other. So building, building those relationships and connections, but also in capacity for others there. Um, one of the, and I've just recently blogged about this, it was a presentation I did in July. One of the, one of the strategies, I guess, one of the strategies that um, I came across as we were looking at different ways to build capacity was this concept of reverse mentoring. And reverse mentoring, again, going back to honoring that within our communities, we have this incredible resource and our resources are youth. And our youth, we have so much experience in our educators, but in fact, younger educators who are just coming through from teacher training, they, they have you know the most up-to-date research at their fingertips. They have all this incredible energy and enthusiasm. Um, they're also extremely tech happy and tech savvy. And so they're the leaders there. And so the idea of reverse mentoring is that, you know, mentoring traditionally, we're looking for an, an older, more experienced person to look to. But in fact, reverse mentoring is looking to our youth to support our learning and our understanding. Um, and some of the examples in that was uh, as we were introducing um, mindfulness um, and well-being in our school community, we had a couple of young teachers that that was very much their gig and they very much were passionate about that. So um, myself as a leader and my colleague taking time to spend with them, to learn with them so that we could then support together the whole school on their journey of mindfulness um, and implementing that at Ishmael. Um, When I joined Ishmael, it was very much already a part of our community. So certainly not taking ownership of that but it was to support my understanding so I could continue to advocate for it and to um, support our, our new educators as they were coming in there. So, and I think it, you know, I said right at the beginning, building capacity goes back to agency, making sure that we've given our educators many opportunities and time for voice, um, for choice of their learning and setting their professional learning goals and for ownership of, of their growth and things there. We, we are there to, to support and facilitate. Um, so, for example, if I have a teacher that's currently working on her master's, 
Um, we unfortunately as a school cannot support financially, but we can certainly look at maybe, you know, giving half an, um, an afternoon a week release time so that she can use that time for her master's study, you know, things, things like that. So there's ways that we can support there. And I think our responsibility as leaders is, is to build those strengths and is to support our people in their growth. We're always looking at schools for continuous improvement. And so in that hand in hand, we need to be also supporting our educators as they continue to develop in their own professional growth um, and their own goals there too. Wow. What, a, what an amazing testament to your work to, of building capacity for others when you when you start with relationships and you get to know the individuals and you see what they want to do. And then you're like facilitating, like you said, about being a facilitator. What is a possibility or a strategy of facilitation that you've seen work really well? So I think one is uh, like you mentioned before, you know, you've very kindly helped me out even through our IB workshops. Um, again, when I'm facilitating IB workshops, and we are talking about agency, then we need to be modeling that, you know, sure. so, um, <laughs> and same as with inquiry and constructivism. So providing time through those workshops for our participants to connect with others throughout our region, because we're Asia Pacific, throughout our region, but also tapping into the expertise that is out there and connecting people. Um, so the the recent one was we we knew we had, educators in the room that were visual arts specialists or music specialists and um, we had language teachers we had earliest teachers so my role was to number one provide the time number two provide the opportunity and number three you know reach out to my personal network who are always incredibly supportive um, to ask to they give half an hour of their time to support other people in their growth you know and we know that we we learn from teaching so oh, for sure we get we get so much it's a win-win situation and then all those wonderful connections continue to happen because um that's why i love the pyp we are always sharing we like to um support each other's growth and we you know it's a little bit like filling your bucket we we get so much out of helping and supporting others and that's why you know building capacity even though it was my own professional goal it actually was something just really that came quite naturally we just needed to explicitly create those opportunities so that we could we could honor that as we come through there um i think when we have our grade level meetings at the moment um, my current community kis here are very good um and making sure that the grade level leaders are our first point of call, making sure we're hearing their perspectives and their voices and taking all of that on board and that we are not making decisions as a leadership team behind closed doors. So we're very much involving them um, and then also giving them the opportunity to take anything back to their teams as well and bringing those perspectives in there. And so that, you know, we cannot say that we're a community school and then not honoring our community um, For sure. in our community. So those are some of the things there, I think. But if you're starting on this journey, you know, where there is always lots of documentation. There is always lots of paperwork. But if we really are honoring our people, then we need to make sure we're spending time in classrooms, we're spending time with our teachers. Um, and it's actually easier remotely because I can just you know, join a Zoom or join a, a Google Meet. Mm -hmm. And join the learning in that way. 
Um, but we need to be, you know, I've always said, if we value it, we'll prioritize it. We'll find time for it. So. No, I totally agree with you on that. And again, when you say about listening to our colleagues and be, being present, it is act, truly me. Put the laptop down, listen to your colleagues. What is their concerns? What is their idea? And how can we move forward into our, our way of building capacity for each other? And you are extremely correct when you say our, our network is very supportive. Anytime that you or I have ever asked for help, it's always all hands on deck. Everybody's always willing to help and try. And, you know, Craig Kemp earlier was talking about how he had one colleague was like, I'm really good at using Canva. Does anybody need anything being made? And had a lot of people's like, yeah, could I get this, this, and this? And it, you are right. We do have a very supportive network. So Tanya, for people out there who want to start their journey of building capacity for others or capacity in their own students, what is something they can take for tomorrow to start in their own classroom? Go back to John Spencer's quote, what are you doing for your learners that they could be doing for themselves? What decisions are you making that actually we can hand to to our learners to make for themselves? Um, I think our lessons and agency, whether it be teacher or student agency over the last few years has just shown the power. Um, And when people feel that they own the process and that they own the learning, um, then we, we get so much more buy-in, we get so much more engagement mm-hmm. and things that do. So take it right, you know, t- take that time to reflect on yourself and your own practice. Sure. Yeah, the other one, and just you reminded me, is that it's, it's not also just about us as leaders getting into classrooms, but making sure that when people are coming to you that your door is always open, that you are approachable and you are ready to listen. Um, and to engage. And as you say, that laptop barrier, it, it may only be a 15 or 13 inch barrier, but it's a barrier. So close the laptop and make sure we're engaging as people. Absolutely. And sorry, I lost my train of thought. I was, re- I, I, I had, I've never heard of a laptop barrier before. And I'm just like, yeah, that is, it is, a, you're right. It is a barrier. Sorry, that really, that really, that really, really floored my little mental capacity right here. So, Tanya, when you're building capacity in others and you've done it in various roles and various settings, there had to be some bumps in in the road and mistakes. What is something that you've learned from of making those mistakes that you could share with others? Well, so one of the big ones, I guess, was uh, as PYP coordinator, you know, a lot of our role is documentation of the program. And I would be going to planning meetings and then I would take all the thinking that happened to those planning meetings and put it into the planner, whether that planner was managed back or sector or total or whatever you were doing, or maybe just your own drive. I thought I was helping, but in fact, um, I was enabling and not empowering. You know, and by the by the fact that I was entering all the documentation into the planners meant that no one else on the teams ever had an opportunity to do that. So therefore, how were they ever going to learn that, you know, mm-hmm. skill? And if and again it goes back to ownership. If I always had my hands on the planner and it was me inputting, then whose planner was it? And was it really a planner, yeah. a document to drive teaching and learning? Um, so a couple of honest conversations and some reflections, um, and then some apologies <laughs> uh, for sure, because, you know, best intent. Um, and then, you know, as each team is like, okay, how, what's the best way forward, um, to do that? 
So I know here at KIS during a meeting, we have roles. And so one of the roles is as we are discussing planning and next steps in our teaching and planning, one of the people in the team will be entering that into Manage Back. So it's done as a very much an organic part of our teaching and planning process. So yes, that's that's one of the, the biggest, and I always go back, am I enabling or am I empowering um, people? And that's a good question for us all to really think about when we, we think we are helping. Because I have been in the same situation where I have thought I've been helping, but in reality, I was actually subtracting from the learning of somebody else. And yeah. I didn't know that because I really did genuinely think I was helping. Yeah. So it is some, that is a good question. Are we enabling or empowering our learners out there? So again, staying on topic of building capacity, you know, there's lots of resources out there. There's lots of text. There's lots of research. What is something that stood with you over the last few years? Bandura's work on agency and taking that to not just be our little learners, but also our adult learners as well. Um, so the Bandura's work on agency. Um, reverse mentoring, I came across, it was actually a, a podcast, one of Brené Brown's podcasts um, that introduced that. And then as I dived into that, sort of like, there's a missed opportunity here. There's a missed window here for us connecting with with our youth in our teacher diversity things there um i mean cindy that's just joined you as as chadwick she would yeah. always be go to like okay i know i can do this on keynote but i'm not sure how <laughs> <laughs> and you know but not just on the tech side help desk side but actually on the bigger thinking of actually so what technology can we be using in what ways to be supporting our our adults and our systems and our structures and also our learners um, so, you know, again, knowing that strengths and also knowing their passions, you mm-hmm. know, um, knowing their passions that we can go to and things there. Um, I think it's you know, not necessarily research. I think it's also a mindset. Um, there's a, a wonderful um, poem by Ken Blanchard, you know, one of the leaders of leaders. Um, and he says, you know, everybody is aiming for magnificence. You know, magnificence is our destiny. Um, and it just really resonated with me that, yes, every single one of us wants to be the best that we can be. Um, it's our job as leaders to find out from our people which which area of, of their own professional growth or personal growth that they're, they're aiming for magnificence. And it also helps all our conversations as we're talking about professional growth and things there. Um, and I think that poem is at the front it's at the beginning of his, one of his articles about situational leadership, you know, which is all about meeting our people where they are um, and supporting them in whichever way suits the situation, whether it be the people or the context. There too. Wow. Tanya, thank you so much for coming and chatting about your experiences and helping us all build capacity within ourselves and others. Tanya, share where people can find you if they would like to connect. Uh, sure. I'm on Twitter. Um, it's HK Tans, T-A-N-S on Twitter. Um, and if you're not on Twitter, please get on Twitter. That is how so many of us connect and celebrate and share and support each other. It's one of the best um, PDs out there. Um, also, I have a professional blog, Learning to Wear the Big Shoes, which is on WordPress, but my link would also be on my Twitter handle there as well. In all or of those links. Bangkok, or at KIS Bangkok as well. KS International in Bangkok. You can probably find me on our website here. Yes. And all those links will be in the show notes below. 
for our listeners to connect with you. So Tanya, we ask all guests here at the Recess Studio, what do you remember about Recess growing up? <laughs> so as I said before, I was raised in Hong Kong, so our Recess was a concrete um, quad. <laughs> um, primary school, I remember lots of catch and lots of tag and maybe hanging upside down on some monkey bars and things there too. Secondary was a lot of hanging out. Um, although we had this, I guess, this pastime of just chucking a tennis ball up and down across the playground and socializing that way. Yeah, it was it was a time to connect and play and be with your friends um, and things like that too. We didn't have trees to climb, but we found other things to climb. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I think we adapt, you know, being brought up in a concrete city. But um, yes, recess was was there. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Tanya, for coming to this week's episode of Recess Duty. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. I'm Levi Allison. I hope you have a great day of learning, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Recess Duty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, please share this podcast with other educators so they can join the fun. And that is the end of our Recess Duty.